0: No more standing out in line So good out
1: Volume 3, Issue 132, Burnout 3 Takedown, and Burnout Revenge. You can play along with Kane and Rince, Volume 3. Our next five issues are Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior, which is Championship Edition, Hyper Fighting, Super, Turbo, etc. To the Moon, Borderlands 2, Burnout Paradise, and a game that I know at least one panellist from this show is looking forward to, Banjo-Kazooie. You can head to canandrince.com for the full schedule, the blog, and links to our merchandise stall, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. Please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. We do appreciate it. Anyway, they must be mad, because for the second week running, I'm your host again, Carl Moon. And joining me in this issue, uh, Darren Gargett. Hey, hey, hey. James Carter. So you were born in an electrical
0: storm, took a bite out of the sun, and saw your future in a machine built for two. Now your rays make me kind of go crazy, shock and awe and amaze me, just a ticker tape parade and me. But sometime... <laughs> but something was wrong till you tap-danced in the air in the night, screaming at the top of your lungs. You said, Hello and welcome, friends. I'm confused. That's How long did
1: that take to get awkward? Intro. <laughs>
2: two seconds.
1: Um, yeah, Yeah, about a second. And... Joining us from the Game Burst podcast, Gary Blower. Attract to attack. (laughs) (laughs) That was
3: more awkward. Uh
1: In this issue, we'll actually be covering three Burnout games. Uh, It's going to be the two primary ones in Burnout 3 and Burnout Revenge, but we're also going to be covering uh, our time with Burnout Legends, the game that was actually released alongside Burnout Revenge. So the first thing we'll do is we'll we'll go over our histories with uh, the first game of the three we're covering, Burnout Three Takedown, and we'll start with James. Uh, Burnout Three
0: Takedowns. When I came too late, we'll get on to um, my first Burnout game later on in the podcast. But this one I only played about six weeks ago now. Um, just as as preparing for this uh, this podcast, um, so yeah, quite late to it, but uh, interesting nonetheless to see how it's progressed from. Through one, two, and then on to uh, to take down.
1: Uh, how about you, Gary? Um,
3: well, I I was a fan of the series, so I would have bought um, Burnout Three pretty much as soon as it came out. Um, I've got I've got it on both PlayStation Two and Xbox, but I'm pretty sure the PS2 version is the one that I bought first. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it would have been just, uh, you know, an habitual thing because I love the first two games, and so it was just a case of new Burnout game, pick it up day one.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case for quite a few people, isn't it? It's almost an automatic. So if it becomes, you know, the next release, everyone sort of goes out and buys it because of everything that it offers. Um, How
2: about you, Darren? Yeah, after Burnout 2, Point of Impact, you know, I was, you know, I hammered that game like crazy. Uh, I couldn't. Honestly, wait for Burnout Three. I even bought the uh, the PlayStation Magazine demo to play the demo that was out, uh, you know, before release. Uh, and I've only done that for two games. That and Time Splitters Two. I was so excited for, and you know, I played the demo to death, and then the game came out on Xbox, uh, original Xbox, and yeah, I picked it up day one. And uh, yeah, I remember being online at one point, and some guy says, "How come you've got 100 percent already?" And you know, that kind of explains how much I love Burnout Three. takedown so mm.
1: were you still working in the game shop at the time when you picked up this? Because I know with yeah. the the second one you had you sort of got it pushed on you and you were playing it in the store and yeah, and then took yeah. it
2: home. This was kind of a you know a landmark moment for the for the shop, like completely like I know Burnout's coming out uh, after the second one. No, after the first one, you know I was introduced to the second one like you said, but yeah, this was like both of us jumping around like. Um, like Crack Addicts waiting for this one. So, yeah,
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think it's probably something we'll cover later on is that, that there was a very noticeable change in uh, public perception when it came to Burnout 3. It sort of, it became more mainstream as a title and suddenly a lot of people were picking it up and the, and the media were pushing it. And I think that would probably, you know, I, I think a lot of us will share the, the sort of the real excitement and waiting to come for it. I mean, for me, it was actually uh, one of those games I didn't buy, Day One, um, which comes as a shock, but it sort of follows suit with, burnout one and two where with the first game I wasn't sure so I got my friend to buy it and with the second one another friend actually won it in a competition and the third one I thought well I'll ask for it for Christmas so it's actually a game I got at Christmas time um you know I'm obviously a little different now and I would have just picked it up um so yeah for me it was that was going to be my primary um you know Chris, Christmas game the, the kind of one where you, you know you open all your presents and you you play your game and then you get your dinner and then you go back and you play that game and you just sort of gorge on a game for that whole day. And that, that was, the plan was for that to be Burnout 3. Um, didn't necessarily turn out that way, but yeah, that that was, um, that. it was certainly a, an interesting one. Like I said, the, the sort of the public perception towards Burnout 3 was, it was far more favorable. It had sort of become a, a an inline arcade racing game rather than something that was uh, living off a gimmick. Um, you know, it, obviously before the, the second one was very Crash Junction and the first one was advertised on the fact that it had this impact with races. but the third one was actually pushed as a racing game um, and it, this was sort of Criterion taking it seriously and it, it had an interest in production for this game obviously because the game was released on the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox and it was released in September of 2004 but EA were the first ones to be publishing this because... Obviously, in the past, it was a claim for the first two titles. And with Burnout 3, it sort of had that troubled period where no one knew what was quite going on, and they'd sort of worked with EA before in, in 2002 on a, a, a skate, and die, skate or Die uh, remake, which didn't quite come to fruition, but perhaps led to the later EA Skate game. And EA opted to actually buy Criterion. They'd already agreed to publish it, but they had then sort of decided they were going to pub, uh, purchase the studio for £40 million because they could get their hands on RenderWare. And this was, of course, at a time when EA was snapping up studios and people had become hypercritical because of the way they'd handled studios like Bullfrog. And, and there were question marks whether Burnout 3 was actually even going to get released. Um, not least because, as we discussed on the previous podcast, many people saw Burnout 1 and 2 as GameCube games, and with this obviously we never actually saw that GameCube release um, but EA also sort of brought with it that massive advertising campaign there was so much more presence for the burnout in the shops um in, in, in the magazines and I think that sort of helped sort of really drive it forwards um, but some people would argue that it, it Burnout games sort of lost a bit of its identity um, in what made the first two games, and you sort of fall into that. The people fall into that category between whether they love the first two or they sort of love sort of the second two because obviously they've they've released Paradise and such since, but that sort of fell into a different sort of gap in in the the target audience. How um, how do you guys feel about that? Do do you feel that the EA takeover actually? Caused Burnout to move on as a series, or did it lose its identity? That sort of you know you always loved and missed.
2: Well, for me personally, I I can't really um, you know have any negative feelings towards the presentation aside from the music. Uh, you know, I'm talking about visuals here. I can't really uh, you know have any negative feelings towards the visuals because I feel like it's it, to me it felt like a natural progression. I remember popping the demo disc in on the PS2, thinking, so this is where Burnout goes next. It felt a lot faster, and it, it kind of just felt like a natural progression for you know a third game in the series to be at you know i wasn't overly keen on the uh the ea tracks um you know i kind of feel like that took a lot away from the personality because i do, i know in the last podcast we said that we weren't too bigger fans of the music in burnout one and two but you know i'd, I'd rather have that over what they put in in this game i just it, yeah it does made it a little bit but yeah um i do feel i do feel like it does actually it feels like a burnout game um it's just it's kind of the natural progression of evolution, you know. It kind of has to... I think Criterion wanted to make something different as well. They didn't want to put out Burnout 2 Part 2, you know. So I kind of feel like having EA step in and give it kind of a different, unique feel, um, you know, Criterion were, were on board with that, whether they liked it or not. But yeah, I, for me personally, I really like the direction it went into. I
3: mean, <clears throat> I mean, how, how long before uh, this game came out, did EA actually get their hands on the company? Because, I mean presumably would have been quite a long way down its development life cycle anyway at that point i mean aside from sticking their branding over everything and and seeding it full of quite frankly headache introducing and dreadful music it was it it didn't i don't think it doesn't really feel very ea-ish to me that's the only kind of signature features that you know the smack of it being published by by ea at that time because they were kind of all about being big and brash, you know. Their EA, they had the EA big label, didn't they? And it just just felt a bit like um, what's the snowboarding game? They had a similar, like that SSX, yeah, had a similar sort of vibe to it. It's almost like they were taking it down that route. Um, I'm not, I'm not
2: totally convinced that
3: the actual uh, design of the game would have been influenced by EA much at all. Um, I think,
2: I think the HUD design probably was influenced by EA. Yeah. yeah, you know, all the on-screen you're doing well notifications probably wouldn't have been there without them. So. You know, and I could do without them. Like I'm never a fan of the, you know, things that pop up in your face every two seconds to let you know how good of a gamer you are. So, yeah, you know, I think more of the EA influence was from, you know, the HUD and the UI rather than the actual.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the EA takeover actually took place um, in July is when they actually decided to buy the studio. Uh, Acclaim went defunct um around the same time but obviously they were in trouble and the trouble talks led to EA actually agreeing to publish it long before because obviously acclaim were really struggling financially so i think you know the game was obviously built on the renderware technology so it was always going to have that criterion feel about it but it was the whole presentation the you know the uh arguably the EA driven media circus that surrounds the games you know the the very Sort of, they're uh, very self branded, and the the game was obviously aside from the EA tracks, it was widely criticized because um, it sort of shoehorned in advertising for other EA games around the tracks. And, and you know, I remember a lot of people were very widely critical of that. You know, you'd see advertisements for uh, the likes of uh, Battlefield. Uh, I think it was Battlefield 1942, and 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 you'd see the Tiger Woods games, and it, they were accepting advertising at a time when um, Axe body spray was quite famous because they were also in um, Ubisoft, Splinter Cell, Chaos yeah. Theory. Yeah, they were they were very sided with Ubisoft as well, and they were really putting a presence. Obviously, we know them in the UK as Links, but um, and and it was sort of splashed everywhere, and it's quite jarring when you go back and play the game recently, and you're like, oh, I, you know. I, I, I'll admit I didn't notice the advertising as much then as I do now, um, and I, I'm sort of aware of why people were critical. And the, like I said, this was at a time when EA were snapping up studios, and they were accused of sort of ripping the soul out of games to sort of drive media sales. And it was beginning, you know, they had that interest that everything had to be, it um, had to have, be able to have sequels, or it had to be a movie tie-in. And um, this is something that went on through the periods of 2003 till 2007 they actually signed a deal where they were only going to be taking on um anything that was franchisable or a movie tie-in it's something that they the since went back on and started pushing new IPs for the for the sort of the new generation but it was something that we actually looked into as a, as a study group back at university and it was quite interesting and I think EA had that reputation didn't they? especially you know around PC gaming as well um that there were a company not to be trusted. And I think that was maybe the reason people were tentative about the game. They were, they were confident that Criterion criterion um, sort of had something, um, in their hands, in their grasp with the first two games, there was always the potential. There were great building blocks for a franchise, but it's always a big swing when you get a publisher and, and EA were, you know, quote unquote, the devil at that period of time. And, and I think, you know, they obviously the put, pushed those EA tracks and, you, know, you you've made your (laughs) thoughts quite clear that you weren't too keen on those um but it it, you you all felt that the game actually felt like a solid complete criterion product
0: um well it was more than that for me because my first burnout game was legends um so these three games now have just been stepping stones towards i mean my first note i took on burnout three takedown was is this the first fully fledged burnout because like darren i feel like Criterion have been putting out burnout games quite quickly Uh, you know there's a year turnaround between um, 1 and 2 and then this one came out in 2004 Um, and so they've been quickly iterating on and getting you know adding to the the original game and to me, because I was I was waiting for them to get to the game that felt more like Legends. This felt like where they finally got to. This is what they wanted a burnout game to be. You know, it's it's not just Impact Racing. It's not just Crash Junctions. They have takedowns properly in uh, the game here. Um, the soundtrack may well annoy Darren and Gary, but um, I can count more albums that I've bought on the strength of the soundtrack for. Uh, Legends primarily um, than any other game has influenced me to buy you know s- albums and music etc including like Grand Theft Auto or anything um, several bands that pop up in Legends and Revenge um, really sort of helped make me feel like because it started in 3 obviously with eight tracks like it might not be the best music, but that's what I associate with Burnout. It's mm. it's music that makes you feel like you're driving faster and they also do a bunch of other stuff to make the game feel faster as well. Mm. So the cars don't feel so much like trucks or tanks anymore as, as I guess could have been um, laid at the feet of Burnout 1 and 2 com- compared to what came later. Um, and, and they'd also iterated on the structure of the game. So here you've got World Tour, you've got a world map and a clear structure of uh, events that are being unlocked and then completed um so it all just came together to feel much more like what I expected a burnout game to be based on having started later in the series obviously um so yeah i I just feel like this was where they were always headed um and and like darren said all, all the all the changes that were made in in this game felt like they were logical steps on from what um criterion had done previously. Mm.
2: I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the the fact that you know it's the options are there for you to turn things off. Uh, I know, especially in later Burnout Paradise, uh, well, the later Burnout games like Burnout Paradise, excuse me. You know, you can turn off tracks that you don't like. I don't know if you can do that in three. I didn't really dabble with it, but I know you, know you can. Declan in Revenge, yeah, yeah. You can, and I know you can definitely turn off DJ Striker, which I was, you know, I, after a little while, you just kind of think, all right, like, just, just stop talking. Just please, I don't care what's happening around the island or whatever. Like, please, just let me. Just just let me be who I, you know, just let me be me. I don't, don't need constant reminding that I'm playing a game and, that, you know, new things are unlocking. Um, you know, it, it's quite a nice idea, like, you know, having someone over the radio kind of, you know, graphics auto style, giving you news updates, but it's not really essential for a, for a racing game, I found.
0: No, it's definitely not. But uh, there were some neat touches with that where in subsequent events he would refer to uh, Pileups and and crashes and stuff that had happened in previous events, and I was never quite sure if that was like dynamically adjusted for what event you'd just done or whether it was just random. But mm-hmm. it felt a bit like what they then ended up doing with DJ Atomica and Paradise, where it was actually kind of dynamically adjusted
3: to what you were doing and what was happening and that kind of thing. So, I've got a kind of counterpoint view to yourself really um, in that for, for me personally um, being a fan of the series from the first and first game mm. onwards um, I felt that in takedown that the series started to move in a direction which I wasn't entirely comfortable with um, less so in takedown because the 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 emphasis isn't quite so much there but more so in revenge that's for sure it the the actual I mean, you know, I love my racing games and the thing I loved about the burnout series up until this point was they were just full on adrenaline. That was just the way you played the game. It was sort of eye bleedingly fast, it was it was you know, it was about taking risks, but it was ultimately it was about racing, it was about motorsport it was about you know, it was about big crashes and um uh getting to the front. Whereas not so much in takedown certainly more in revenge it started to become more about aggression and about taking out your Mm -hmm. opponents and um more of an issue when we talk about revenge and i'll talk specifically about some major issues i have with that but i just felt that it it probably it was symptomatic of i I find something that you find in a lot of game series in that they start out with a certain purity and then after a while they start to sort of Think about okay, what can we do now? What can we do to make it different? How can we how can we evolve this series into you know how can we do something that's fresh? And in doing so, sometimes you start to actually lose what made the thing yeah. unique in the first place.
2: Yeah, you get that over egg in the pudding is a favourite Kano inch yeah, phrase.
3: Yeah, it, indeed. Um, I mean, one of the things that struck me playing um, uh, Takedown yesterday um, was the fact that uh, the just the you know the phenomenal sense of speed you get, although that's somewhat aided by the fact it, you know, compared to, you know, having played with HD games for the past seven years, it's kind of a culture shock um, (laughs) to go back to it and see all the kind of blur effects and, and pixelation. But it's just so incredibly fast. I actually think the sense of speed is stronger in three than it is in any of the other games in the series. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, yeah, it hits you right between the eyes from the first moment you push the boost button. Yeah,
3: and it's only really something that uh, maybe Legends, to a certain extent, gets close to, but can't quite match. Um, yeah, because of the hardware, likely yeah, is, is yeah. the issue there. Yeah, but uh, I, I do. I mean, again, I I would I wouldn't necessarily say that's EA's influence. I feel that that the directional change came from within. Um, Criterion itself because they wanted to produce a different game essentially Um, and I don't think anything has come as close to the purity of um, Burnout 2 until we got split second a few years ago that was the one for me that had got back to that sense of the race is the important thing Okay, you can have the explosions and the crashes and everything else and taking out your opponents but ultimately it's about winning balls for leather Um, you know eyes closed foot to the floor
2: (laughs) Yeah, the visual style in Burnout Three, uh, you know, looking back at it now, it didn't. It does not I know it's not going to, but it never. It didn't have the same in, uh, as impressive feel as when I first saw it, and that's obviously because you know games have evolved and stuff. But I even thought like I always thought Burnout Three looked drastically different compared to Two. But looking back at it now, they have a lot of they have a lot of similarities and like you know the, the color palettes and stuff like that. And uh, I think the stuff that makes this game feel so quick is just the um the amount of stuff they put around you at any one time. Like when you're driving through like underneath um like a railway track above you and there's just like there's so much stuff going on around you, even if it's just like, you know, construction site bits and bobs and or pillars that are everywhere like at some points in that game i honestly didn't know what i was looking at and i feel like i'm kind of glad they toned it down for later burnout games because when you are bombing through some streets in that in burnout free takedown you honestly it's so blurry at times you feel like someone dropped captain falcon into a you know planet earth <laughs> it is ridiculous
3: it's actually hard to actually to even focus on the vehicles at a certain point certainly with uh three you completely lose track of where they are on the horizon if it, mm. if you're not playing in and modes with the little blue arrows over the top it's 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 really difficult to see what the hell's going on but you know in some way i mean you know, in some ways that adds to the the tension but mm. um yeah I, I i agree with you but i I do like the fact and again this is more for a discussion later with with um with revenge but I do like the fact that it has that that kind of outrun aesthetic the blue the blue skies the wide avenues the the you know the cityscapes um which again i feel this was the game when they started to sort of tone that down a little bit not much it still for me feels has that kind of arcade classic arc- uh, arcade racer of the 80s feel to it but um they did start to to sort of i don't know darken it down a little bit and more so when we get to revenge
0: for for me you know having started at legends the notion of taking out opponents and takedowns being a core part of the series was there from the from my first experience of it so when i saw you know the notion of impact racing and crash junctions in 1 and 2 that was like okay these are the seeds of what they wanted to do which was have real sort of heavy hitting racing where you you are battering into your opponents now that said, I completely understand what you mean because by revenge, I think it got kind of ludicrous. To be honest, um, the degree to which you know everything has to be on fire and in pieces and you know destroyed in front of you, um, and uh, you know in this one, obviously with crash junctions, you've got crash breakers as well, which
1: I think wasn't too. Nah,
2: crash no crash breakers. No, break. no, yeah. yeah, crash breaker yeah, and
1: aftertouch were added to this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's right. I mean, burnout three actually brought arguably the most changes um at any one time and it it's something that, that Garys mentioned that perhaps they um they put a lot of new stuff in there and it starts to alienate other people and it's something we've been critical of on on several other games in fact only last week we alluded to it with um something like Hitman Absolution which tended to lose fans because it sort of steered too much in another direction um and Burnout Three really brought a lot of new stuff. It changed the, champ- the standard championship for uh, the world 2, which was mentioned before. It focused on three different vistas, essentially the Europe, the US, and the Far East. Um, it had ten primary locations, plus eight mixed hybrid locations, which were essentially half and half tracks. Yeah, where they would just sort of run into the next. Some again, something similar to that you would see. Uh, from games similar to Outrun, which I think is a, a very good comparison game, it's almost like they've intentionally sort of aimed it really down that arcade racer path. They added obviously new modes. They removed the pursuit mode, which was added to Burnout 2, um, uh replaced it with Burning Lap Eliminator and Road Rage. Um, Burning Lap obviously became a, a, a staple of the series, where you you set your fastest laps and you race it as a pure. Time trial racing game, which was always fun, but I think the, the mode that surprised most people, the addition that surprised most people, was the impact time features of Aftertouch and Crash Breaker, Which I know for myself personally, the first time I initiated Aftertouch, I thought this is weird because obviously it's something that we'd seen similar in the crash junctions in in the second game, but it was actively used in racing to try and take out your opponents and then you would have the um the crash breaker which was essentially the ability to make your own car explode um which was a, a little sort of bizarre hmm. in the middle of a race um I'm not I'm not quite sure I I got on with that I, I've always said that the racing games that alienate me most are kart racers um I like the I like the pure racing of games, and I, I felt like this started to sort of bridge the gap between the two, and they brought in there the takedown system, which uh, James mentioned, which obviously he's gone the other way to us is that he's played sort of from <laughs> from new to old, which mm. is always a strange way to go about the system, and, and I suppose in that regard it felt natural, but for us playing it, it felt like it had turned from a racing game that had gone from promoting jostling to to full on aggressive takedowns and and Gary actually used the word aggressive and that is purely where this game came into with uh, stuff like wall takedowns and and after touch takedowns and and signature takedowns which were all essentially it felt like a lot of different checkboxes for features in a game that I'm not quite sure that I you know got when when takedown came out it felt a bit like i I wouldn't say underwhelming but disappointing, like I wasn't sure that this was the direction I necessarily wanted the game to head down mm. um and I, I said that this was going to be my game that I wanted to play over Christmas and Gorge on and I, I remember sort of playing it for an hour and a half and going well that was it was fun, it was quick, but I sort of turned it off and just left it for the for quite a while and I think for me i wasn't I preferred how it raced. But I didn't like all the additional features, and I sort of fell right into that gap that Gary mentioned. Um, I, I, you know, did it, did anyone else feel like there were it was a little too much that was added in?
2: Oh, not not for me. When I first saw the takedowns, you know, being a fan of something like Vigilante Eight and you know other car combat games of that, you know, of, of times before Burnout Free Takedown. I was just like, oh, so this is how you make cars fight. And I was really excited by that and sort of learning the courses and how they've designed the courses to, you know, take the cars down. Uh, I think, going back to it now though, I think Burnout 3 is particularly hard to take cars down. I they was they just like rubbing against cars, you know, up against the wall <laughs> uh, what? for, for a, g- a good long time before they would explode into a... You know, a blade of glory but takedowns for me I mean it's in the title so you kind of know what to expect but I, I genuinely when I felt, I can still remember my first takedown which is a pretty ridiculous thing to say but like, I yeah takedowns for me was like okay yeah th- I'm, I'm really enjoying where this game's headed uh, after touch is a weird one though because like, when a car crashes you don't expect to then control it I don't know it's, it's like you know no game's done it before or after I don't think I don't think you can move a, a destroyed car through uh through uh, through the air just because it's a game but at the same time i kind of feel like it's an arcade racer that's going you know 200 miles an hour every you know every second of the way so why not go why not go a bit too mental with it uh, i mean
1: it seems ridiculous because i remember thinking um at the time and, it, and it's ludicrous to think back a decade and my main criticism of that game was uh, of of the aftertouch was this is just it's so unrealistic it's you know and and you think yeah i mean it falls into that gap where it is ridiculous and i think going back to it it's something that i've become more accepting of um as sort of as the genres broadened and we've, we've seen more games and i've realized that maybe i don't just have to play the the, the pure races um that you know it, it's actually a bit of daft fun and i remember laughing like. Uh, like a loon when the, when the game first came out when i nailed my first psych out takedown because yeah. it's so it's so daft driving behind an ai car and all of a sudden you just starts waving all over the road before slamming it on you like what? Oh. the first time it happened i thought that's some dodgy ai yeah um it actually turns out that it was it was a feature in the game and it that made me laugh
2: I, to um, me it feels like a bug that sort of happened and they're like let's call it a psych out takedown yeah yeah it does feel a bit odd
3: uh, you know, I, I think the takedowns. Um, I mean, I would speculate the takedowns were probably added. This this game had much more of a multiplayer focus, didn't it? If I remember right, and uh, yeah. well, it
1: actually had multiplayer. I mean, that was. I think that's one of the, the the main criteria they wanted to head into it, and it's something that always interested EA, and it's believed that that is the reason that no GameCube uh, version was released because it wanted to focus on the network sure. player capabilities of so, Xbox and PlayStation. Again, that too. would
3: explain why they put the emphasis on the the combat and in inverted commas. Um, because if they're going to, if, you know, from from a multiplayer point of view, sure, you could just do it as a pure racing game, but um, I think, you know, when you're starting, when you're looking at what you can offer that's different, and also, there is, unfortunately, there is this, uh, in my view, overemphasis that for a, for a game to be a good multiplayer, it has to involve destruction or killing things, and um, I... I probably get the impression that they probably all sat around a table and thought you know we're we're going to make a multiplayer mode what can we do how can we make it so we can take each other out and uh you know it wouldn't uh, i know it's speculation but it's not a huge leap to make that assumption um but you know the takedowns are fun i'll tell you what i will give them credit for is that the way the takedowns are executed um when you're still racing and you're still able to actually uh not only see your opponent your you know the guy you've taken out fly through the air and explode but it it, the way the camera pans around to carefully place you back in control of the vehicle I mean that is something that's extremely difficult to do without you losing all sense of proportion or, or place within the game world and it, it's done it's so fluid it's, it's, it's excellent I mean that's a credit to Criterion's engineering really.
1: That is somewhere where Criterion have always absolutely shone and I remember reading an interview for um, the latest Need for Speed game Uh, Need for Speed Rivals by Ghost and they were actually interviewed about it all um, because obviously it was the first time a real amalgamation of EA's racing studios had come together to make a game Uh, and they'd asked the lead on the project um, and he'd said about the camera, he said basically we tried and no one can do cameras in racing games better than Criterion so we just got Criterion to hang the cameras for us and it's something that you can look back and obviously this is nine years prior to, to Rivals and I absolutely agree with Gary. Um, When you take a car out and it pans and you get that cinematic view of it flying through the air and all of a sudden you're back in control and you never felt disconnected from that game is probably the most impressive thing, even going back to this game now, which, you know, you always expect to be jarred, especially on a game that was pushed on its speed, um, that everything still feels so solid, uh, but most of all, it is the camera that, that still feels right about that game. And um, they absolutely just knocked it out of the park in
2: 2004. I do remember, like, in the trickier tracks of the game, like, later on. Uh, the courses, sorry. Uh, I remember sort of wishing for a takedown to happen at a corner that I couldn't, you know, manipulate to my yeah. own will. And thinking, hope I get a takedown here because the, the the AI will control my car around this tricky por- por- portion of the game. And hopefully, I can, you know, I can... And sometimes you will. Sometimes you'll get a takedown. The camera will pan. It'll give you the ching. And you're like, yes, takedown. And then you just see your car sort of whiz around the corner for you. And you're like, oh, thank you. Thank, thanks for that because... Otherwise, I would have piled into a wall. But yeah, the um, the you know the the camera panning and seeing your uh, your opponent just completely obliterated is something that I wish for in other games. That you know, uh, well, most recently, Road Redemption. I know it's early alpha game, but like when you take someone down in that with a with a club or something, you just kind of wish that you. Not only is it you know good to see what's going on, but it's also really gratifying <laughs> to to see something just explode in front of you that you did, like you did that and you put the effort into it. And, like I said earlier, it's not easy to get a takedown. Well, I, you know, I found it easier in later games. But in Burnout 3, you know, you kind of, you had to earn it. There was enough, there was enough rubbing going on. There was enough shunting. And you, you know, you were losing your boost and you were gaining boost from other cars. Which, you know, they changed the boost system in this game. Which I didn't really appreciate because it kind of, it's not a burnout anymore, is it? Like, the idea of burnout is you, you use all your boost. To then, you know, accrue another one in, you know, in that time to get a burnout, and therefore, you know, you get another boost and a burnout chain. And I, I do miss the fact that burnout chains are gone in this one. Um, you know, this felt more like, well, it didn't feel like it. it I think they used that in, in Paradise for the uh, the skill cars where they could boost whatever they want. But um, yeah, the 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 other. Oh, the takedown camera is just a work of genius and i've always wondered why no one could look, like, replicate that in other games like you know it's for example i know mario kart has it in its um mario kart 8 has it in its replay system but even then i kind of would like to see more of the carnage that happens in games like Wipeout and stuff like that but yeah um
1: so as we mentioned earlier one Probably the the biggest focus of this game was on the multiplayer. It, you know, it was released on two formats that actively had online communities. They, obviously, Xbox more so with Xbox Live, but the PS2 had become quite well established with its network adapter. And I can say that I never actually played it. I was a, a Xbox Live subscriber at the time, as I was right out from beta. And for some reason, I just never played. Burnout 3 in in multiplayer and I, I sort of regret it now but did any of you play it? Obviously I know James didn't because he's, he came back to it but Gary or Darren?
2: Yeah I, I played, played it a little bit like I said earlier some guy um, viewed my profile and saw that I had 100% but because I because I had 100% in the you know the world tour mode I was uh you, you could say I was burnt out on it by that point but yeah um yeah, I didn't want to play any multiplayer. To be honest, I was just like, "Oh man!" Like it was a new thing for me to not not new thing for me to play multiplayer online, but a new thing for consoles to go online. And there were just so many other options that it kind of fell by the wayside.
3: Um, yeah, I didn't think it worked particularly well. I have to, if I'm honest, um, it it didn't feel. I mean, going back to the point i we making earlier, really about the the whole takedown thing, and 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 again, this is an issue either revenge, but um, it's it it biased towards m- the most aggressive uh, drivers basically and it didn't really reward the, the the sort of the most skillful or most experienced drivers as you would expect um, in a racing game that's not to say it's a bad thing it just just for me that's not what I'm looking for from an online racer really you know um, you know even when we're talking about kart racers you know as unfair as um, Mario Kart can be um, you still ultimately if you're if you're good at that game, you'll you'll win more often than not. Whereas, um, it just became really a sort of smash fest. Um, but I did play it quite a bit online. But this was you know around the time I was playing Project Gotham as well. So you know they were chalk and cheese. Really, one was always going to win over the other.
0: It's interesting to hear you say that, Gary, because um, I feel like kart racers can be can be unfair in that the best racer may not win simply because of whatever uh, power-up someone happens to have who maybe isn't as as good at the game but happens to use it at the right time or just get lucky and get the right drop. Um, so in, in burnout games, not just with the rewards, but inevitably I find myself feeling like I do a better job on road rage or straight-up races than I do, say, on burning laps, Burning laps, I'm forever getting silver medals and struggling to shave the seconds off to try and get, you know, that gold medal time. Whereas road rage um, and, and races, it's much, much easier. It feels much easier to me. And some of that is undoubtedly because I'm less skilled at the precision driving, but I know how to get takedowns.
3: I guess that's what I'm saying, it, it, it's, it's, it kind of biases towards those players who are better at takedowns. I'll tell you what the problem is, and okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this now, because we're going to talk about Revenge shortly anyway. The problem with this game, but especially Revenge, is that it encourages... What basically happens at the start of the race is that everyone goes hell for to try to build up their, their boost meter to 4 as quickly as possible by just smashing into everyone. So it turns into Destruction Derby for about the per- first 30 seconds and then those that manage to get their their meter's full up then just boost off into the distance. Now there is rubber banding like there is on kart racers. But it's it's nowhere near especially in um 3 it's it's pretty ineffective. So once one or two people have beat up their boost meter they're gone. That's it. And so you're then just making up the numbers. And that's really the problem I have with both this and Revenge in race in race mode, you know, in pure race mode is that you know, it's like three, two, one, go, and then everyone just starts smashing into each other. <laughs> it's just
0: yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's a definite imbalance. I, mean, I guess all I'm trying to say is that if it were a pure skill based racer, hmm. there is no way on this earth I would play it online. I just wouldn't because I'd have to put in so much time just to feel remotely competitive. I'd, and and for those people who aren't skilled at racing games or don't have the time to put in sitting in 15th position at the back of a group of your friends sure. who are all having a great time racing one another is not fun. No, no,
3: I can appreciate that. because. But, you know. but
0: if everyone's just crashing into one another, at least everyone can no, admit, a bit like a kart racer, at least everyone can admit, the person who wins isn't winning because they're the best of the game. They're winning because they're just causing chaos. But I feel like everyone gets to have fun Fun, maybe. No, you know, no that's, that's definitely me.
3: not. So I would take the opposite view. Of that. Okay. I find I found uh, particularly with um, revenge, uh, especially, I found it infuriating. It's almost like getting hmm. griefed from the beginning. So you'll you'll end up uh, particularly online with revenge, and and Carl probably played it. Um, a lot more than me online. Um, mm. You'll end up with these people that just instantly take you out as soon as the race starts, and mm. um, yeah. you just you just have you just have no chance. You just you're just not on a level playing field. It's not so much that you're um, you know uh, you know not faster than anyone. You can, you know at the end of the day um, in a kind of pure race, so you're really racing yourself. You may come last, but it's it's really you're trying to get better and better and better. at it. It's a bit like you you know the Call of Duties and stuff of this world. It's the same it's mm. the same logic. But when you're just getting griefed right from the very start, yeah, and yeah, no, those yeah. guys just disappear, I'm a, you know, it isn't fun. It is it is aggressive, mm. and I find it aggressive and bullying. You know, that's the the way I... Yeah, yeah, sure. Know. And I, the problem I have with it, particularly with Revenge, is that you end up playing the single-player game that way as well. Because you're know, the easiest way to win yeah. is just to smash into your opponents, build up your boost meter, mm. and then hold the boost button down for the rest of the game, rest of the race. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, before we move on to Burnout Revenge, uh, we have some feedback from the community. Um, We actually have one from Skrussle specifically about Burnout 3, and he said, My experience with Burnout 3 and Revenge are rather backwards, because I never owned a copy of Burnout 3 myself when it was first released. For a reason that's actually related to something that was mentioned on the last Burnout podcast. It was mentioned that the first two games were thought of as GameCube games, despite no one on the show ever owning the games on that platform. I've always thought of those games as GameCube games too, but because I actually always did own them on that platform. When Burnout 3 was released I didn't own a PS2 or Xbox and decided to wait for a GameCube version which I'd read in magazines at the time was coming. Although I've always been familiar with the game, since a friend of mine had a PS2 copy back around release, it wasn't until very recently that I got my own copy of it, through the Xbox Live Marketplace in fact. The game hasn't aged a day. It's still utterly fantastic, it still feels great to drive, it looks vibrant and sharp and the new additions it made to the series all stand up well. The road rage events, which have always been one of my favourite aspects of these games since I first tried it, are brilliant. They nailed it first time they tried. Driving aggressively and taking down your opponents adds a whole different layer of intensity to it, and to the races, and it's so satisfying to execute. The game definitely deserves its reputation as an all-time classic. Although Crash Mode has never really been a significant draw to these games for me, I do think they did it best in this game as well. On the last Burnout podcast it was discussed how the Crash Mode in the second game was the better because it didn't have the pickups and modifiers that 3 does, but I think it makes the mode far more interesting. In other incarnations of the mode, I always felt like too much of it was down to randomness, and once I hit the first car there was nothing to do but sit back and wait for the somewhat arbitrary score to come up. But with things like the multipliers and cash pickups, it adds a lot more interactivity and strategy to how you approach an intersection. I found it much more involving, and it seemed fairer too. If there's one thing I would criticise the game for, though, it's the soundtrack. It's hard to talk in depth about that, though, because I don't exactly hate it. It's mostly enjoyable, but not enough that I'd say I actually like it either. I think the best way to describe it is that it feels very much like it was aimed at the 14-year-old of 2004. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and with that, I think it's probably best if we uh, briefly wrap up our own time with Burnout Three before we move on to the the next two games in the series. So uh, we'll start with James.
0: Uh, yeah, I I agree with um, with what Scrossel had to say. Uh, <clears throat> mainly for me, um, Crash Mode felt more like a puzzle game, whereas in two, it did feel random. It kind of felt, or at least it felt like trial and error would get you the score you needed. Whereas in this one, having pickups laid out in a certain order kind of meant that you were aiming for those and it gave you an idea of what route might be interesting to take, uh, to the, to the actual crash. Um, and that kind of sums up my feeling for the, for this whole game. It just felt like it had more direction, more of a, uh, more of the personality I expected from a burnout. And that's not to say it's more of the burnout personality, because obviously for other people, Gary's already said in particular that that wasn't necessarily what he wanted from burnout. Um, I've played plenty of racing games and um, you know, plen- enjoyed many of them, but ultimately I always tend to play them single player, and if it's a pure racing game, often it just comes down to re- repeating a-, a race over and over again to try and get better, and not better at the game, just better at that particular course. In Burnout, I felt like it gave me enough tools that I could... Um, have fun with it, so even when I came in third or fourth, I didn't see that as a failure. I saw it as that's where I came, I had fun doing it. Um, I think it's, you know, having the burnout points. My first um, road rage event in this game, I got 20,000 burnout points. The first uh, burning lap, or preview lap, I think it was, I got 205. It's That tells me all I need to know about this game. They want players to enjoy the crashes as much as the racing now obviously that doesn't work for everyone for me it it does i i liked what they'd layered on top of two um and obviously this had a massive amount of nostalgia for me playing it even though i hadn't played it before because it reminded me so much of my first burnout experience and so i can't help but do anything uh, other than love this game um i just think it's it's fantastic and it does feel to me and again not for everyone but to me like the first fully fledged burnout game the the one that was what criterion had kind of been heading towards um when
3: they when they made the first game excellent and uh gary um i think from a technical point of view this is the um probably the best uh in the series up to paradise um the, the certainly the the engineering required to introduce the completely new mechanics around the the takedowns was you know as we talked about earlier just sensational. I think the sense of speed um, is just phenomenal considering the hardware it's running on. Um, it, it you know although like I said they use all these weird effects, um, it it just is makes your eyes bleed. It has to be said, um, and I think this game in particular in the, the, of the whole series is the one that achieves that the best. Um, but for me the takedown stuff. You know, I enjoy. I can take or leave. I like the. I prefer these specific takedown events. I just wish you didn't have the takedown stuff uh, linked to the boost system in the races. That's the bit for me that started to to sort of damage my enjoyment of the game. But having said that, you know, I still love, pretty much, love the Burnout series. And um, this is, although not the best for me, it's still a very enjoyable game.
2: Darren. Yeah, but, uh, Yeah, but I said it earlier on. Uh, by accident but yeah burnout free absolutely loved and uh totally destroyed it um I do feel like the the crash mode and it's you know and it's additions of the um you know the pickups and the crash breaking stuff it kind of feels like that that ethos that thinking of you know evolving crash mode sort of it's the whole package you know they have to kind of not keep adding things to it but they kind of have to keep evolving the burnout you know, at the time to um, you know to keep it fresh, to keep it exciting for other people. You know, and I, I, as much as I like the crash mode of three, uh, I, you know, I, I do feel like um maybe, maybe you know the, the two, the two was a, a more fun um in terms of the crash mode. But overall, Burnout Three Takedown is something that I just uh, I don't think I'll ever get that excited for a racing game ever again. Um, because it was it was off the charts in it, yeah, and it didn't disappoint. Uh, going back to it now. It's still really fun, but I I always struggle to replay uh, racing games in story mode. So, well, you know, world tour mode, but it's still still really fun now. So, yeah, if you haven't played it, then I picked it up in a charity shop for 99p, so check it out.
1: For me, it's never been my favourite of the Burnout games. Um, It felt like they were on to a good thing, but it didn't feel like they were quite there yet. And I know I said that about the first two (laughs) games, but I actually feel that way about the third game as well. Um, And it's... it always surprised me when people said that Burnout 3 was the pinnacle of the series, and it's it's part of the reason we've given so much time for it, and I can I can absolutely see why, now, given time, that people did like this one the most. It had a very good crash junction, it had the new features, the aftertouch and crash break were fun, more than serious, the, You know, it introduced the takedowns that people enjoyed, it changed the boost system, which I know Darren said was a, a, a downer for him, for me, it was very much a positive especially after the first game where the boost system was a joke because you almost never got it and in this one you know you could grow it to four times if you made a mistake it dropped down one and you know you could sort of keep it up by by doing these these takedowns and and, and um you know you weren't so punished for little errors like uh you could slightly check traffic in this but it felt like this was more More arcade, less simulator, which I know is ridiculous for the first two games, but the the second game would really punish you for the lightest of contact on other cars, and I felt like that opened up in in the third one. Um, And I think perhaps that freedom of play allowed more people to enjoy the game. For me, it just didn't quite feel like it had the polish that I I wanted for the game. Um, So so for me, it, it never really resonated that highly. However... It was followed up by two games, which were unusually released on the same day. Uh, we had Burnout Legends, which was released on the PSP and the DS, uh, and we had Burnout Revenge, which was released on the PS2 and the Xbox. Now, uh, we'll cover Burnout Legends first, because um, I myself have never played it, but I know Gary and James have a lot to say about it. So with that, we'll we'll go straight into uh, uh, Gary and James's thoughts on, on Burnout Legends. We'll start with Gary.
3: Okay, um... <clears throat> so um one of the th- I mean obviously this came out at the same time as Revenge um and one of the things that uh I rather like about Legends is that it still feels very much like it's it's rooted in the first three games um in fact it, if you sort of squint it even looks almost identical to um Burnout 3 Takedown in both presentation
1: they, they should have put that on the box and, and everything else assessment. I mean it's,
3: it's got loads of tracks from particularly uh Takedown um, and uh, it 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 felt it felt more of a well it felt more of the same. Which, depending on how you look at it, you, you're either going to really buy into or not, or perhaps feel that it's a bit of a a bit of a cash cash in compared to what Revenge was because Revenge did change quite a lot. Um, the thing I wanted to to mention was I've got I've got both the PSP and DS version and I fired both of them up this morning. And the DS version I knew was bad, but my God, it's it's really bad. I mean, um, and it's not a frame rate problem. It's the fact that when you're going fast, nothing else is. <laughs> it's hard to explain. <laughs> but it's just, there's no sense of speed. You know, you're doing, it feels like you're, although you're going quicker, nothing else is. It's really odd. And it's got loads of sort of graphical glitch problems. Like
1: you clip through cars and God knows what else. It's it's. It must have looked really sort of jarring, especially when at the time it was released, there was no DS light. It was just the original yeah. low light Nintendo DS. I can't imagine it's, that you could actually see
3: that much. It's a brave attempt, but it's it's poor, um, which is the opposite of the PSP game, which just looks phenomenal. I mean, um, it although I suspect the frame rate is not as high. Um, it 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 plays as well. I mean, I played um, Takedown and then Legends. One after the other yesterday, and it was like I had I was playing on my Vita with Remote Play. It was that close, you know. It's got the same menus, it's got similar music, it's got it looks very similar. It the handling is slightly weaker. I'd say the physics isn't quite there, but it's it's good enough. You know, it's good enough to fool you. It's brilliant, and um, of the three games I've replayed over the past twenty four hours, that's the one I enjoyed the most. So uh, take take that take from that as you will.
0: No, I I utterly agree. I think the, the D S one didn't have the um controversial soundtrack, shall we call it. But um what they did was because Revenge and Legends were coming out at the same time, they they basically licensed half of the tracks from half of the music tracks from uh Revenge and just used them in Legends as well. Um so <clears throat> obviously got a lot of the same music in there. Um it it is it's called Legends because it's essentially a greatest hits of burnout. It's Burnout Three, but with cars and tracks from 1 and 2 as well. So stuff like Harbour Town, Interstate, uh, the airport um, track, they're in there and it was at a time when the PSP was, the attempt was to try and show that the PSP could do console games from PS2 and and previous, um, that you could do that. There was stuff like Syphon Filter was coming out and the idea was to try and make them look almost PS2 quality. Now, it couldn't really do that, um, and so there are some weird edge effects in Burnout Legends where, like like with the Vita version of Mortal Kombat uh, versus the console one, it doesn't quite do 3D in the same way. They have a tendency to look a bit sort of flat and blocky, um, and it has a bit of that going on here, but in terms of the color, um, the sense of speed's pretty good. It's maybe not quite as outrageous as Burnout 3, but um, it's certainly a match for uh, 2 and it was my first first uh, burnout game and it still to this day defines what i i want from a burnout game uh which made 3 so easy to play because essentially technically this is uh, burnout legends is a remake of 3 with stuff thrown in from 1 and 2 as well um and and then the soundtrack from from revenge i i just think it's a fantastic really really fantastic game um and yeah, it, it as I say defines what I I want from a, a burnout game. I know how to do takedowns. I know the tracks and that. I I fired it back up uh, about a week ago, and it was just so easy to pick up for me because I know how to play that game, having spent so long playing it. Um, it it really is a marvel. Um, I tell you what's cr-
3: and- what is criminal though is that mm, yeah. neither Legends or Dominator. Even though they're on the PSN store, they're not playable on the Vita. I mean, no, I, I cannot no. I, for the life of me work out why that's That's that. So. I,
0: I picked up a PSP Go so that I could actually play them. And the problem is I, I want Accelerator and Brake on the triggers. And on a PSP Go, the triggers are so shallow that your hands almost slip off. So it's, it's kind of a shame. Uh, that wasn't so much of a problem on the original PSP, but it, it literally is just... I, EA they haven't they haven't switched it over and put it's it on baffling Vita, unless it must be a licensing issue with the music is all I can think ah uh, yes but then the 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 code's the same they're not having to actually change what is uploaded to the PSN store but it happens so often with other games on Steam particularly as well that games don't go up there. Uh, although everything else in the series is, because well, the music so license would be,
3: yeah, the music license is different for handheld devices. That's why. It, that's, it well that's the reason, yeah, yeah because they yeah. consider that this is a common problem with the DS yeah. and the 3DS and the Vita, um, is that um, yeah, because the music industry is so backwards, they consider those to be equivalent yeah. to an iPod. So um, yeah, um, and it's a different license agreement for. for you know, pocket devices. I oh, know it's mental, but
2: who uh, would walk around listening to a burnout soundtrack in their pocket? Like.
3: Well, you say that, but actually, I was having lunch
0: playing Legends the other day, <laughs> and I just closed down the PSP, go popped in my pocket, and left the soundtrack going in the ears. So James so, so so uh, would answer <laughs> your question. So there so we go. You mental?
2: Um, yeah,
0: and it, 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 speaking to the soundtrack, it's Legends specifically for me. It, it must be five or six albums. Stuff like uh, We Are Scientists, Yellow Cards, oh, nice. uh, OK Go. Mm. Loads of different bands that I have heard first uh, in Burnout Legends and bought the albums of and and really enjoyed. I'm not saying it's great music; it's pop punk of of the era of just a bit before Fallout Boy, but it's that kind of stuff. So it's not high art; it's not great music necessarily. But for a driving game, I think it actually works quite well
1: to give you just toe tapping music, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the the same as I've been saying to Darren.
0: I, I play. Prodigy, fat of the land, when I play Mario Kart, because I associate it, and it gives a great
1: sense of speed and rhythm to the race, and yeah, the music and it goes works brilliantly with Luigi's part. death stare. <laughs> so, as someone who's never played Burnout Legends, I think, from my perspective. It's the biggest criticism you could level at the game was actually a marketing decision to release it the same day as a main console release, and you can't help but naturally see it as a cash in. And I admit I did, and clearly it wasn't. Clearly it was a very good game, um, and perhaps people overlooked it because you know why would you buy the handheld version when you can get the sort of the 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 main course on the home consoles? At least that's how I saw it, and it seems that I was. Very unfair in in that regard because you you both well obviously it, it, it very didn't positive. help that
0: the DS version was such a stinker to be honest um, because that means that not only have you got the effect of it being in the shadow of of revenge but ostensibly half or some a reasonable number of people buying it are getting a really bad game so word of mouth's not going to pick up for it so.
1: I mean, if you just look at marketing, I know the PSP, for example, was the fastest-selling console in the United Kingdom, and Burnout Legends still isn't a game that you know I associate either with that machine or with it being massively popular. So I think something went amiss with the advertising. I I, yeah. I can only assume that releasing on the same day was a a sense of madness because I, I i can't even comprehend it now if it's two different games and you know they don't work together it's it's sort of one of those really bizarre things it's not exactly the same case which we saw with Need for speed most wanted which got you know a vita release the same day but it was the same game mm. so you know you know in this case it was a different game released the same not day quite
3: the same game. well <laughs> there's okay, a complete not quite absence of other of traffic in the game but yeah other than that it's the same i guess
1: all right Gary no need to be picky. Um, <laughs> so with with that we'll uh we'll go on to the the, the second home console release of the sh- uh, home console release of the show which is Burnout Revenge um which was released the following year as you know as as been expected with the other burnout titles this was released originally on the PlayStation 2 and Xbox back in September of 2005 it got an October 2005 release in Japan as the series was popular in Japan. It did however get a March 2006 release in the uh, the main three regions on the Xbox 360 so it did actually get a J- Japanese release on the Xbox 360 which I think goes somewhere to show that that is a popular genre um, but did any of you guys actually pick it up for the PS2 or Xbox or did you all get it on the Xbox 360?
3: I have it on both. I put it on the Xbox uh, and then the 360 later so uh, that would be a yes.
0: James? Uh, Xbox 360, uh, it's on Xbox Live, so I picked it up again uh, fairly recently. Uh, Legends was the Burnout game of, of 2005 um, and for me, so I ended up uh, just playing this much more recently
1: uh, in the past sort of couple of weeks. So. And Darren, you were obviously salivating over Burnout 3. Did you get Burnout AFP? Uh, revenge on the uh, playstation 2 or
2: xbox day one no and i can't remember why i'm racking my brains as to why i never i think maybe i had access to it in the game shop and I, I, would we have known that the 360 version was coming because i don't know why i didn't pick it up but i definitely didn't and the 360 version was the one that i went for i just can't remember why i would wait to play another burnout because i've loved them all so far
3: i'm pretty sure we did i i seem to remember we did But I I was impatient.
2: Yeah, that definitely influenced my decision. I I remember playing it. I definitely played it in the in the shop, you know, here and there, checking out all the um, you know, the the new features. But I was just thinking, I don't need to get this right now. I think I was playing other games. I I honestly can't remember. But yeah, the three sixty one for me was where I um got involved. Now, for me
1: personally. The match 2006 release was absolutely perfect on the Xbox 360. I felt no need to go and buy it in September. I picked up an Xbox 360, the day of release, and I played Project Gotham Racing 3 nonstop until of Burnout course. Revenge landed. <laughs> yeah, I love my racing games. I've, I've made no secret of it. PGR is my favorite franchise. I didn't feel like I needed to pick up Burnout Revenge. Um, and then when it went for um, release on the 360, it was actually you could get it slightly cheaper, because it was one of those early HD versions, you know, we'd seen it with the likes of Gun and and Bully, and now we had it with Burnout Revenge, and I remember I picked it up for £25 new um, from the good old Gameplay A a, Mm. a sorely Miss, and they had it on a a cheap offer one day, um, on pre-order, I pre-ordered it, got it for £25. It was more on a whim, because I didn't really get on with Takedown, and uh I, I remember getting it you know it was it always had that bit of theatre when you got it from gameplay as well it used to come in the big cardboard boxes and I remember I opened it and I remember just being like once it dropped through my box I remember being really excited and I don't know what triggered it and I put it on and uh I was sort of just a bit blown away because everything was sharper and you know everything was in HD and that was sort of the the, the big difference for that series and I, for me I think that's that's the moment that the, the series sort of turned from something that was enjoyable to something that I could begin to take seriously. And I've never been someone who's so embedded in graphics being a requirement. I just felt that there was a lack of clarity at times with the previous Burnout games. Um, you mentioned in, in 3, sometimes you couldn't quite see on the on the horizon the the cars and, and such. Mm. With Burnout Revenge, mm. I just felt like everything had come together. I could see the game and it was... A, Blisteringly quick with these these visuals, and yeah, I, I was just absolutely super psyched for it when it when it released in March.
2: Well, you can tell that Criterion were well excited about the HDness of the 360 version because the intro is kind of a slap in the face yeah. of the previous <laughs> release. It's like it's a yeah. it's a little tiny window in the middle of your screen. It's like, hey, do you remember when you played with these rubbish TVs? Well, now you're on HD, and just the way it pops out and the way the sound. Now, when the menu drops and the Burnout Two music kicks in, the way that car revs its engine, it, I honestly thought there was a car round the back of my head. I don't know what they did with surround sound in that era. It's, it's, like, it's like kind of like fake surround sound that my TV was producing, but I definitely remember like me thinking, "Why? Why can't I hear things behind me when I haven't got a surround sound um, TV?" <laughs> and it was that and Nifa Speed Underground that both did it to me. I was like, "This is amazing! Like this, this is genuinely amazing!" and uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the game absolutely looks stunning in HD. There was,
3: I was going to say, there was one very unwelcome thing though with the switch to, well, this game in this, probably this game really, but switch to HD, in that everything becomes very much darker. It lost, mm. it lost all of the beautiful blue skies and vibrant colours, and you know, sort of the like I said earlier, the nineteen eighties arcade feel that the first Three games had, and the palette. In Revenge is so depressingly dark and dreary and grey and yellow and I, I was playing it this morning and I was just, just thoroughly making me miserable. You know, it's nice bright sunshine <laughs> outside and there's this grey game here and driving through detritus spilt across the track and boxes and crates and God knows it was. I don't know. I think for me there was this was the thing though, wasn't it? I mean, if we remember back to this period, 2005 to 2008, yeah. when HD games, the way to make an HD game was to make everything look terrible in terms of everything was brown and gray and there was just crap strewn everywhere and uh this game well, f- it, fell into that it's got that, that shine on it that, as well the cars have, yeah indeed yeah
0: they, they've got the shine on it and um I, I know what you mean it even though the colors are are kind of there I mean the cars are still ridiculous shades of red and blue and whatnot but it's it's the way they do the lighting I think it's almost they want to show what HD can do in terms of like lighting effects and okay that's been well surpassed by now but it does feel like they wanted to have shadows on stuff to to show almost more of the detail rather than having that potentially almost yeah. Not washed out, but kind of blanket lighting system that you would have in previous generations. Some of it is
3: done through... Is there, there's definitely some um, uh, colour filters going on as well. And it's, there's a yeah. lot of yeah. um, tracks that are set in sort of industrial zones and, and there's lots of Yeah, grey. the Motor City ones yeah. have that
0: kind of light. Like,
3: yeah, and even, yeah. even the mountain ones, it's sort of a... If you look at it, it's sort of an overcast grey day. and you know, it's mm. I know they're, they're doing it to try and show off their god
1: rays yeah. and dramatic lighting and stuff, but <laughs> it...
3: Well
1: yeah I mean whilst I admit it did have all the visual appeal of driving through Middlesbrough it (laughs) did I you're
3: describing your hometown
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I did actually quite for some reason I was drawn to the grittiness of driving around that I mean I've always been a a, a fan of you know the old the the sort of blue skies the outrun look the the really bright beautiful colours but for some reason I was drawn towards that artistic look in Burnout Revenge um I don't know why it was, maybe it was just because I I felt comfortable being from this region, that, um, you know, it felt somewhat homely, because we don't know what blue skies look like, but, um, yeah, I I just really enjoyed it, I don't don't know why, uh, it is the biggest criticism I ever see anyone label, well, it's not the biggest criticism, sorry, it's the second biggest criticism, because I totally forgot about the traffic check-in, it's the second biggest criticism I've ever seen levelled at Burnout Revenge, was that that... The beautiful colours of the first three games, mm. just for some reason, they opted for a whole different yeah, look.
2: Anything that's not a car feels kind of muted in its colour palette. Like um, the, the, yeah. the Xbox 360 car you get is really nice, uh, gr- uh, bright green and sort of like a light grey, and it sort of it sort of feels disjointed from the world around you, because everything around you, even the sky, feels kind of like they've muted the colour palette, but turned the bloom effect up around it, which gives off this weird sort of shadowy look to everything. And wow. while bloom was the
1: big thing, wasn't it? It was all about the bloom, yeah. Mm-hmm. And while
2: I like that look, I do feel like they've they pushed on it a little too hard. There, there's some like actual, oh, I can't remember, is it Motor City or something where there's there's like a proper horrible industrial look about it, and it's just like, oh, really? And the UI doesn't lend itself any favours because the UI and the other games have been quite blue, been quite you know colourful and exciting, you know, to match their vibe. But here, fair enough, they've gone for a UI that looks how the game looks you know when you're playing it but like the the actual front end ui is all like tire tracks and dirtiness and grittiness and i think that's one way that's the word that carl used to describe it is grit it just it's like because they're in hd now and fair enough this is on the ps2 and xbox as well so it doesn't really ring true but it kind of feels like hd era that was introduced to us they kind of had to produce realistic looking visuals and you know Maybe it's not.
1: I mean, that's it. We we shouldn't forget that it was released on the other two consoles. I think you know the problem is aside from Gary, we all really did have the yeah primary focus yeah. on on the next gen console. And, the, consoles. and
3: they're the same. I mean, I, it was very much the the kind of, I said it was the the thing, it was the the fashion to do in this period was to make things look grubby. It was the sort of you know the, I don't know shabby chic or whatever you want to call it, but you know it's it's just the way gaming went. And in fact, quite recently, we've we've started going back that way again. Um, it, it, it goes in cycles, doesn't it? I, I think they probably they probably felt again they wanted to do something a bit different. They knew as HD era, so they'd be able to do some good stuff with that. Um, and also, uh, like its previous predecessor, this one went. You know, if the previous one was aggressive, this one turned it up to eleven. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but that runs all the way through the game. The the moment you see the the first menu, it's got. Something about it just screams aggression. It's in the name. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Which, curiously, um, just
3: I just want to briefly mention. Of course, the next game in yeah, the yeah. series completely reverses back to how things were at yeah. the beginning. You know? yeah.
0: So. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really strange to to fire up revenge. I imagine anyone who went from Burnout One or Two to Straight to Revenge must have just wondered what was going on, because yeah, what it's tonally so very, very different, even from three. I think, yeah, I, yeah. although the seeds were there in three, but it's um, it, yeah.
3: it's also, it, I mean, around the same time, this is when the Flat Out series was starting to become very popular, mm. um, and I can't help feeling that they started to sort of, sort of borrow ideas from each other. I mean, the mm. Flat Out games are obviously. Quite are well known for the fact you had just the tritus strewn across the track that you smashed into, yeah, yeah. and although you had gates and the odd bit in the last the previous three burnout games, again they went overboard with this by putting rubbish everywhere, yeah. and I I get the feeling that you know these two series started to become synonymous. You know it's like you know flowers you know suddenly was getting rave reviews. It's like oh what can we do to 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 sort of you know ensure we're not going to lose out to those guys um there's definitely a sort of merging of those two games towards this this time
0: i mean as far as the detritus on the track goes they the the only reason it plays into gameplay is on the traffic attack levels where you can use those to continue building up your your basically your cash meter um you you get like a hundred dollars off each box that you barrel through but um but yeah that i mean it seems like they are there to show what the physics in the game can do and it's like well didn't the crashes already do that in previous games it just it seems very busy and unnecessarily so um in terms of the the actual look of it they they toned down the blur effect quite significantly and i feel like in in 3 they they used the blur effect and the fact that the pixelation was was relatively bad in the distance and it effectively reduced the draw distance to give that sense of speed. Whereas here, they don't use the blur effect so much, so what they do is add extra stuff on screen so there's extra detail there, and what that gives you, obviously, is more information going into your brain, and therefore you're having to process more quickly. And again, it adds to the sense of speed. So it's completely different ways of handling the the sense of speed, but it all just seems maybe to be to try to try and make the game seem faster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just it, it looks for a game that is clearly a sequel to Burnout Three: Takedown. The look and feel of it is is quite difficult, different, I
1: think. Of course, with the Xbox 360 version, they changed more than just the visuals. They did actually add to the whole social side, because Xbox Live brought with it the whole social network feel with the Xbox 360. And they added a whole Revenge Rivals feature, which I'm sure Gary loved, um, which allowed you to basically track any given player who had taken you down, or you had taken down, in multiplayer, and keep track of just who was ahead. You know, you had the red signal if you were ahead, the green uh point if you were behind so you could try and wreak revenge over all the time that you were playing it you could record your burnout clips in 30 second uh, videos Mm -hmm. upload them to xbox live which you know it's kind of unusual because that's one of the major features of the xbox one now um which which was good although it did cause a lot of problems because for some reason they built an achievement around it and then you had to be in the top 10 in the world oh yeah uh, top 20 in the world and that drove a lot of people mad um so that that side of it was odd but it EA were back with their strange little advertising they had all these licensing deals um, where you could take your uh, your memory card because obviously Microsoft thought people still needed memory cards in the early days of the Xbox uh, 360 and you could take it to stores in North America um, the, the usual Best Buy, GameStop etc and you could sort of put your own new digital, uh, new content on it uh, so you could have the Best Buy car in the game and and the GameStop car in the game. And it was all a bit like, it was all a bit hectic. It was all a bit all over the place in in that regards. Um, It was, so the the advertising panels from Burnout 3 had sort of just sort of gone to the extreme in Burnout Revenge and they were everywhere. Um, And then it also used the, the EA game save files, which is something I'm actually quite a fan of. Uh, you know, People always remember Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid reading your previous Konami games and this had it with uh, Madden NFL 06 which would unlock the Madden Challenge Bus which was sort of an, a massive help if you wanted to do the Crash Junction, so people were or at least the people I know were therefore renting Madden Oh Six just to get the bus to play in Burnout Revenge because it was that sort of EA ecosystem that they were driving. And you also had the uh, the Dominator Assassin if you had a Burnout Three Takedown Save on the uh, previous gen. So mm. they they did start to add more than just the HD graphics. Of course, they also advertised the ten new Crash sections on the box, but that obviously did nothing for me because I've never been a huge fan of the Crash Junction. So, um. They were very clear that the the Xbox 360 release of it was going to be their, their showcase, that was their major release. It was the one that they'd sort of built up to let everyone know and, and released it, you know, they, they had that intro that, that Darren mentioned where it pans out, it's like, you had it on this little SDTV, uh, now you can play it on this, you're no longer a minion, etc. And what did interest me is that Darren criticised the interface, the... the uh the The menus I loved them. I absolutely thought they were so clear um it's something that I will make clearer on the burnout paradise show is that that is the 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 tight knit structure of that menu system was gone after this game for this i thought it absolutely did it justice everything was clear i know one of the criticisms of burnout 3 was that when you were in the world tour mode you actually had to go into each subsection to see what medal you'd got out of the bronze silver and gold and it was all long-winded on this it was all very clear in the little side menu and i felt like that whole men the whole menu system was just right in burnout revenge um I don't know if it was necessarily part of Xbox Live because we saw it with PGR3 that had a similar way. It would read the leaderboards and everything would be on one focused screen. Of course, you had extra screen real estate because if you actually go back to play Burnout 3 Takedown now, everything feels very crammed on a screen and obviously with Burnout Revenge, there was so much more real estate to play with, so with with that, I really liked that menu system. I understand the, the comments that it was all dour with skid marks and this and that, but for me, it was the content within it yeah. was so much better laid out for me that that the actual look of it didn 't really bother me hmm.
2: yeah i don 't remember hating the design of the menus in terms of you know, mechanics and you know, actually using the interface. It was just the kind of you know, like i say the aesthetic you know the, yeah. the actual presentation of the menus was just a little bit non burnout it was a bit you know kind of the anti burnout as I said earlier you now the previous three games have been all blue and colorful and delightful whereas now it's kind of like yeah gritty time and you know fair enough they kind of have to they, you know they don't have to but they kind of think i feel like criterion felt like they needed to change things up because they were making a new burnout game uh but the more i play revenge the more i feel like it was probably a burnout game they didn't really want to make but they kind of felt like they had to because you know that that's the way burnout has been you know they've kind of been releasing them quite quickly and because you think 1, 2 and 3, they all, they all do feel kind of different from each other. Or, you know, a lot different from each other. Whereas this one, to me, has always felt like an extension of 3. And I think that's why, well, it doesn't really make sense for Paradise. But I think that's why this one doesn't, I think maybe at one point, speculation time, but this probably was called Burnout 3.5 in development or something. I don't know. Because it hasn't got 4 on the end, does it? And I don't know why they stopped numbering them. But for me, this one sticks out as kind of like a stopgap between this and Paradise.
1: Well, and I mean, Burnout Revenge did have less tracks as well. You know but it's one yeah. of those strange things usually when you move on, it's more of everything this actually only had eight locations compared to the 10 of, of burnout three and it had 13 tracks as opposed to the 18 uh, of course they were all available forwards and backwards um but the way the focus did change on this game is that the tracks were intentionally made to be more aggressive. For whether you were battling uh, your opponents, there were pillars that you could slam them into. I know in Motor City, you would go sort of through fences and you'd go straight across junctions where you would have cars, and you'd obviously, it was that whole hold your breath moment as you're sort of cutting across another road in the hope that you don't smash into someone. Um, So there was, whilst there was less, and it doesn't, I understand that it didn't necessarily feel like it was. A full-on sequel. It did feel like the focus had changed adequately enough that it did, at least in my opinion, feel like it belonged in in the series mm. as its own title.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I have no problem with that. I, I think, I think so. You've just mentioned the the tracks and locations there. The thing that struck me was clearly when you're in the levels, although it doesn't tell you in the menus. Um, you're, you're in um, US, Europe and um, and Asian settings. You can tell because of the writing that's on the signs of which side of the road you're driving on. There's all sorts of clues. At no point was I clear from the menus where I was going to be driving. It's just a name and a picture. It means nothing to me. The menus, they're really busy. The new ranking system as well that was another, and of course it was on fire, why wouldn't it be, it was another bar to <laughs> fill up, as opposed to when you had the world map system of 3 and Legends, it was really clear, there's a dot it tells me how many of the um events I've cleared, I go into it it tells me exactly what each event is I'm not relying on logos that are indecipherable Um it tells me what the event is and it's got right next to it what the medal is, it may be an extra step into a menu to do that, as opposed to Revenge where it is kind of more surfaced, but the menu screen and in terms of how much of the game I've completed became inscrutable because it all got all that information got lost on the menu screen it felt too busy for me which given they have the extra real estate is perplexing i just found the menus i was just like okay a to start the race fine whatever and and i'll just do that race and then i'll work out where i am oh there's my rank increasing great okay i've done that It just seems like there's a lot of extra information and stuff thrown at you that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, And that goes for in-race as well. There's a lot of screen clutter in some of these races where you've got metres upon metre upon metre upon metre of stuff that is measuring how you're doing and not a lot of it needs to be as in-your-face as it is, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I agree. It could have done... With perhaps a bit more subtlety, but I mean, just to clear it up, what you're mentioning about mm. your rank for anyone who hasn't played it or anyone yeah, yeah, who yeah, has forgotten is it It does have a rank progression system. It has 11 ranks, although only 10 of them are filled. When you hit 11 rank, you're classed as an elite race, so there are no events. Uh, you gain enough rewards from your points to push your rank. When you hit another rank, you open up that whole other area. I mean, it, it it's the same process as so many other racing games. But for me, it all felt very clear. You go into your little one-star area, you complete those tracks, you open two. And I just felt like that progression was so clear that I, I didn't realise how much I liked it until I didn't have it in something like Paradise. And I think I sort of respected it more looking back over at how clear I found that progression to be. Um, which, I mean, I understand that there was a lot on screen and, and st- stuff wasn't necessarily clear, but for my own personal tastes, that I would have liked it to look better, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I thought it was all very clear, that focus, that very tight mission structure. Yeah, that ranking
0: system is definitely very clear because it tells you, you know, at any time what rank you are, how many medals you need to get, or how many stars rather you need to get to to increase to the next rank. Um, it's just that p- picking a, a mission out, you always had a strip of of events along the screen. Some of them were just um, challenge and trophy lists, and some of them were events, but. I got to the point where I didn't even look at what the event was. I just pressed go on it. Because in, in previous games I would have picked out, okay, Road Rage, I know I can do that one, get a gold medal easily. Oh, Burning Lap, right, I need to sit down at this when I've got some time because I'm going to have to repeat this race a few times to get the gold. Whereas with this one, I just felt the menus weren't conducive with me picking and choosing my own experience as as easily as it had been previously. I don't know why particularly, but the rank was definitely really clear i always knew what i had to do in order to to reach my next rank um but for me that felt similar to how paradise did it with the license system because again it always told you there how many more events or how many more you know um stars or whatever you had to do to to get the next uh, license so well,
3: to illustrate your point james as i said i i chucked the disk in this morning i've not played burnout revenge for probably 3 4 years and obviously, I've got a I've got a game save that's like halfway through progress. I never I never finished the game. I've probably got about a third of the way through. And I was like trying to navigate through those little badges with the stars on it, and thinking, what? what, what? And I was like opening up the top one, and it was there was one race unlocked, and I thought, okay, I'll do that. And then didn't unlock any more, and I thought, well, what am I supposed to do now? And then I realised that I had to go back through all the little badges to try and find things that had unlocked further down the chain. And I thought, what a bizarre way of doing it? you know, There's no real you know, every time you unlock something, it doesn't really emphasize where it is. You've got to go actually, you know, unless you've been playing it constantly, go, sort of dipping back into it. It's almost like you've lost the breadcrumb trail, and the only th- the only thing giving you a clue is the you know the the kind of big fiery meter thing that fills up to say you've leveled up.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I understand that that criticism, and it, you know, when you think back about it, you understand that it is something that you could quite easily be critical of. I myself, I'm someone that. As I said, I came into this game straight off the back of PGR three, where I had to, I focused event after event, platinum, 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 and for this it was the same thing, gold, gold, gold. And in that sense of progression, where I have to get everything perfect before I move on, it was ideal. Yeah. If if, it's, if you're someone who wants to do everything, then go back and perfect it, you can be a bit like all over the it's, place. It's
3: a minor thing in comparison to maybe some of the other things that are. I think are wrong with <laughs> revenge, which I mean. You mentioned one at the beginning, and really, I have to. We have to bring this up. I think at this point,
0: it's the first event. I assume you're going to be talking about. It's the first event you have to do in the in the whole game. Well, I don't mind um, that
3: the the mode that's dedicated, much as I, you know, with takedowns. I don't mind the fact that you have dedicated modes for them. But when that then impacts on how you play the rest of the game, and at its core, it's still supposed to be a racing game. Um, the traffic check in. Takes the issues I had with the takedowns filling the boost meter and <laughs> just makes it ten times worse. Mm. So now is this is a game where not only am I trying to spend half my time trying to bash into the other cars, but also bash into the NPC cars as well. It it totally changes the dynamic of the game.
2: Yeah, it's it's a weird system that I wasn't really expecting when I first got plonked into that that event. I know exactly which one you're talking about, because I've I just I remember seeing it and just thinking so I'm supposed to hit these cars now. And it was kind of like, like I said earlier, it kind of felt like Criterion felt like they needed to make another game and therefore come up with another feature. Like, but this one more so felt crammed into the series as opposed to takedowns, where for me, takedowns felt like a logical progression, you know, evolution, whereas here it's just like, what else do we do? How else how, how do we change Burnout? we hit the cars now, oh, but only one side of the traffic. So you're just like, okay, well, yeah, all right, put it in there. You know, it, it must have resonated with this team because it, it's in the game. But for me, it was just like, this is just a bit too weird.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that first level, it took me almost all of the time I had on my meter before I worked out that by slamming to traffic, they mean use your car as a bowling ball or a snow plow, whatever you want to call it, and just literally plow into everything. And, it's going to sound odd because I've kind of been a a staunch proponent of, of enjoying the takedowns, but this traffic checking as a concept really got in the way of me enjoying the game for the first few, for the first few ranks um, simply because it was so counterintuitive to me to drive into traffic Mm. rather than even with takedowns, it still felt like I was having to, to, play burnout as a as a racing game where you don't want to hit traffic. Traffic is an obstacle. You have to be you have to have enough precision in your driving to move around traffic and then as and when you can take down the other the other cars. That felt logical to me and then this albeit for no good reason other than that's the way they made the game, but it it, it just felt really counterintuitive that now you're just using your car as a battering ram. Um it goes hand in hand with the fact that actually for me takedowns in Revenge felt really difficult. It felt like you you had a lot less of an ability to be able to, to take a car out. Mm. So therefore that emphasised the fact, well you're just going to have to plough into all the traffic that's going the same way you are in order to knock that traffic into your opponents and it becomes almost like a, a battle arena more than a race um, And and not in a way I necessarily enjoyed, despite Feeling opposite to to you, Gary, on on the takedowns, I, I'm right with you on this. It it made the game something really odd and not at all like what I I expected from a burnout game.
2: it well, just felt really really weird. We spent like a, you know hundreds of hours, maybe. In the, in the previous three or four games yeah. avoiding the traffic like mm. no matter what side of the road you won you were avoiding the traffic for burnouts 1, 2, 3 and you know Legends or whatever so now for for me to suddenly get it into my mind that I'm you know I'm okay to bop into these uh, you know the traffic on the same side of the road with me it just felt like you say completely counterintuitive and probably best served in another racing game franchise because you know uh, since Burnout Revenge we haven't really seen traffic checking at all have we but I don't remember it in Paradise so they obviously threw that no. in the bin. And, um, yeah,
3: well, they, uh, I mean, to be to, to honest, they also dialed back. I mean, again, talk about more in a Paradise show, but they, I do feel with Paradise, they, they realised that they'd gone too far with it and they kind of, yeah. they actually broke the boost. The whole thing that made the Burnout series was the boost. And they actually ended up completely breaking the boost mechanic because essentially, as I said, you just fill up your boost and then you hold it down. And with this one, even more so, because you just held it down on. The correct side of the road because you were going to pick up bits of boost from all the traffic checking anyway. So it it completely re- it removed all of the risk reward and it just became about smash into everything, hold down the button. And with Paradise, obviously they ditched um, they they came up with three different uh, boost uh, bars for different types of cars, which actually fixed the problem because you only got you only filled your boost meter with takedowns if you had a car specially. That specialised in doing that, yeah. And that it, car yeah. was then balanced so that it wasn't so that it as was fast. Less, yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Less adept to racing, per se. Um, yeah, and the the traffic attack uh, events that that are in there. I mean, the, the first one it's kind of ludicrous because you're you're right, Gary. It, Ten seconds and you have a full boost meter, and the challenge actually then becomes. That, I mean, there's no challenge to them really because you just go on forever. There's no end point to this until you happen to decide to just pull over to the side of the road and let the time run down. Certainly, I I never found the time running out unless I chose to let it run down. And what you have is your time's constantly going up because you get a second bonus or whatever for every car you hit and your boost meter is staying constantly filled even though my finger was on the boost button the whole time just because it's constantly being refilled by all the traffic you're plowing into. So it just becomes a game of, well okay, I'll play this for two minutes. Okay, that's the gold medal. Have I got an awesome rating? Yeah, I have. Okay, pull over and stop. It's really weird. It doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a challenge in the way that like them or loathe them, the road rage events or the eliminator events, or all the different variations on, you know, pursuit or or all the other various different variations they've got on races. Um it doesn't feel like it's anything Remotely, a challenge. I assumed the first event was simply there as a tutorial to kind of get burnout players to wake up to the fact that it was going to be different. But no, they were on. They were there later in the game as well, and that just seemed weird to me.
1: You can only feel that they put the traffic check in there to fall in line with the aggressive attitude of this yeah. game. The you know the, the sort of the balls to the wall, hold down the accelerator and the boost, and just go. Um, for me, it. I didn't hate it. I actually found the aftertouch in Burnout Three far more alienating for myself. But as you said, with that first event, I was so proud of myself that I managed to avoid every car, and I was amazed when I ran out of time. Um, <laughs> and then I realised that you know I did it completely wrong. It, it was a little bizarre. It was quite funny how you could sort of pinball a car off into an opponent. Which you know, it's one of those things. In retrospect, would that game have been any less without it? No. You know, did it offer anything? No. So it didn't need to be there. And it, it's... Whenever people mention Burnout Revenge, the amount of times you hear people go, well, the one with the traffic check yeah. where you can just hit all the other cars, <laughs> you know? It, it, it's really weird. It's become synonymous with that one mode rather than all the other modes that were in it. And, I mean, the, the car was... Well, it, the, sorry, the game was full of other stuff. I mean, it had less tracks, but it had 77 cars. It had, you know, it had cars specifically designed for certain junctions. All the cars had finally gotten let's say proper names it's names more that were, that were far more realistic than just coupe colour coupe car one blue yeah, sort right. of thing that you had it's in all the other ones you know. they yeah and, so, yeah, sure. uh, and they, they added even more kinds of takedown they had the whole thing built around the revenge takedown the whole system that was put in there you had explosive, takedown, uh, explosive payback takedowns which were part of the uh, crash breaker yeah. of the second one that you could if you were taken down you could quickly whip your car and explode it and you know, if you're quick enough, um, that if someone surprised you, particularly online, you could sort of get your own back stop them getting away, which, you know, Gary mentioned was a, a problem. If you were playing it online in the third one, this was sort of to counter that, that it would sort of stop those cars getting away. Or if you were lucky, you could get taken down by one guy and then take several down um it had the vertical takedown which was now impossible to land on anyone but was amusing when you did especially considering you only had to roll on them about half a mile an hour for it to trigger this incredible camera replay of you squashing this other car but then, you know um but probably the biggest change to this game in in how the the the, the track design was was that finally the game had alternate routes um you had you know, the the smaller shortcuts. Obviously this is this is nothing new, games have done it for years, but it had been introduced into Burnout Revenge as a way that it really paid into that risk reward. You could go the faster um routes, which were far more difficult to navigate. You had fine pillars that sometimes you had to dash between, you had people trying to uh, you know t- Essentially, smash you into them, make it difficult for you, smash you into the walls, um, through tight corridors, or you could go the way that you could, I hold your boost for longer, but it would be the longer route around the roads were wider, and you sort of had to weigh that up. And for myself personally, I never felt that that ever put into it in single player, but it was so important in any multiplayer mode in this game, and it felt like this whole game was geared towards that multiplayer aspect. Did anyone else feel like that?
3: When it worked, because <laughs> um, I mean, if the, the multiplayer was uh, notorious, um, certainly on the 360 for being unbelievably unreliable. Um, the uh, you know, I can remember the uh, the EA server curse becoming increasingly common during that period. Um, I don't, can you still play it online? By the way,
1: uh, they, they did turn the servers off. Uh, in 2012 and because it had such a cult following and there was such an outcry they actually turned them back on three weeks later um so they did turn them off for three weeks i was actually there on the final day playing it with a friend of mine um and we he had to sort of he wanted to get the last few achievements i wanted to just play it you know i thought this is amazing because i played i put so many hours into that game in multiplayer and I was really enjoying it and then all of a sudden they just turned it back on three weeks later anyway so it was just a bit like and then ironically I've never been back to it since so <laughs> it is one of those things the servers are going off quick I better rush out to it oh the servers are back on ah, it's, it's alright I've had my fill <laughs> um, but yeah they, they did turn the servers off um, in typical EA fashion the surprising part of it is that they did come back
3: I did a lot of I did quite a lot of clam racing on Burnout Revenge um, when a, as part of the Ninja Fat Pigeon so I know it used to be Absolute ball ache to try to get a game set up, because uh, it was very intolerant of, um, I guess, closed NATs as they would be called now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you'd, you'd get you'd get the it'd be three against three, and you'd get like the the sixth person in, and the bloody game would fall over. You know, it would it would boot everyone out. So I can remember, or the wouldn't it would lose its connection to the EA servers. So I do remember it being a real challenge to actually get a game started in the first mm-hmm. place. But, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Carl. I think they did do some stuff in to counterbalance the, the, the sort of absolute griefing you would get with the first game, but it's still... It's still, They they were only too conscious of that because they actually encouraged it. and you know, The whole Rivals thing, which made its way into Paradise as well and was made even worse by the camera. Um, you know, just... <laughs> Yeah, for my mind again, it depends how you look at it, doesn't it? You can play games and 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 don't take things personally, but certainly when I played it, it just I it would just irritate the hell out of me every time someone took me down. So, because um, I just want to race, uh, and that's yeah, increasingly the game became less about that. It's it, a, car, a car, it's a it car combat It did feel
1: yeah. it did feel that you had to be proactive at times rather Pro- than reactive. <laughs> you had to, you had to sort of take your opponent out. That's first an understatement because you know you knew that they, that they were going to do it to you, but. I had some incredible times in the multiplayer of this game. I put a lot of hours into it. I didn't really play... I I would have one friend that I would play with. He was never... Oddly enough, he was never actually that interested in Burnout Games until he played Burnout Revenge. He then went and bought it. But um, for the most part, I played on my own, which meant that you didn't really have that disappointment of servers falling apart when you're finally getting, you know, your fourth, fifth, sixth friend in. Um, And it had sort of this real cult community where you would constantly come up against the same people and you'd recognise each other's names and you had this sort of thing. And when, once you were playing with them, it was it was sort of great fun. It was one of those games where, you know, you realised at the end of a race, you had dry eyes and a dry mouth and you'd been sat there sort of aping at the screen, um, which all for me, all the best multiplayer games do. Um, and it, everything was long enough that it felt like it was going to be a challenge but short enough that it never felt like it outstayed its welcome on any race i felt that for the for the tracks that were designed in that game they were all the perfect length for multiplayer racing um which 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 for me is why this game absolutely shone because i enjoyed the single player and i progressed through the single player and I i did all that but for me it was the multiplayer is the thing that i remember enjoying most about this game
2: for me, the, the multiplayer was, again, um, something that I didn't really dabble with. I think it's just me and multiplayer in general, to be honest. But, you know, I, I had a little I had a little go on it, and I was just like, oh, okay, it's just it's just like playing the, the single player, but with mentors who are shouting down their headset at me. So, yeah, I wasn't really up for that. Um, but, uh, and to be honest, the same with Paradise. I don't know what's the matter with me, because I do really like these games, and to extend their lifespan by potentially hundreds of hours, seems appealing to me but at the time it's just something that I just sort of forgot about hmm odd
1: so with that we'll uh, we'll go to our community and get our community feedback on Burnout Revenge remember you can have your community feedback on any of our upcoming shows view the schedule you can leave your feedback at com slash forum or alternately you can just email it at canandrince at gmail.com um, we have another one from Scrussell here this time uh, in regards to Burnout Revenge uh, James if you want to read Scrussell's feedback
0: Scrussell says, I have a longer history with Burnout Revenge than with Takedown. When I finally did get a PS2, I already had given up waiting for 3, and by then Revenge was the hot new thing, so I focused on that game instead. At the time, I loved it. This was my first introduction to the new aggressive mechanics that 3 brought in, so I think much of the love people had for that game when it first came out was transferred over to Revenge for me. I've always felt like it was unfair the way people were disappointed with it, because as far as I was concerned, it did a very similar thing to 3. So if people liked that game, then they should have appreciated this one too. I certainly liked it for a lot of the reasons people liked 3. But I've been playing the game again on recently on 360, and now I think I can see why people don't look on this one so kindly. There's a lot to like here though. It's still a very good game. It's got the great driving feel of the series and a very addictive unlock path like the others too. Doing takedowns and the like are also very, uh, also still very fun, especially when you manage to perform a rare vertical takedown. They also stepped up the kinesthetics of the game too. They made the sound and visual effects of smashing and grinding your car into others better than ever, than ever before, which adds a lot to the experience. I also really like the addition of the crash breaker mechanics in races. For some reason they decided to make after-touch useless in this entry, but by uh, but being able to explode your opponents as they race past more than made up for it. But there are several changes they made to the formula which spoil it a bit. One of the biggest problems is that although they improved the effects surrounding the takedown mechanics, the way they actually award them seems a lot more unfair and arbitrary than in 3.0. You can hit an opponent really hard yet not take them down or sometimes just gently tap them from behind and send them into a wall. Sometimes when they hit into you it won't seem to do a thing and other times you'll be sent veering off uncontrollably from hardly anything and it seems grinding alongside other racers does nothing except when the game's physics gets confused and it decides to completely spin your car around. It also doesn't help that in road rage events you can be driving for very long times without any opponents around to battle with at all which is especially annoying considering how you're given extra time to continue the event by taking down opponents instead of a fixed time limit for the whole thing. It leaves you being unable to avoid failing because the game didn't give you an opportunity to do anything about it. Another big problem is the track design. Unlike other games in the series, the sides of tracks are often littered with outcrops of walls in very inconvenient places. It feels unfair and even malicious in how they're placed. It... It leads to a lot of annoying crashes that can ruin entire races, especially when the game sometimes decides to respawn you after a crash right in front of one of these walls immediately. It's made worse by the aesthetic of the game too. For some reason Criterion decided it wanted to do the muddy grey-brown thing before even Gears of War, which is a disaster for an extremely fast-paced racing game. Too often you're driving down a road where you can't pick out irritatingly placed obstacles, or even when a turning is coming up on some tracks. And then there's the new mechanic of traffic checking, perhaps the most common complaint about this game, but personally I don't have too much of a problem with it. I do agree with what some people say, that it takes away too much focus from precision driving and tips the balance too much towards chaos, but that didn't ruin the experience for me. It felt like a logical extension of the other mechanics in the game, albeit one extension too far. It also added more options for battling opponents. It allowed you to take them down while they were out of reach or even behind you, giving it a certain defensive quality. That said, I think I would have preferred it if they designed the game not to have this mechanic as part of it. It does turn the races a little too much into a 200 hour mobile demolition derby for my liking. The soundtrack of the game is a similar story to that of 3, except this time it feels like it was for the 15-year-old of 2005. I guess they wanted to go after a very specific audience... Yeah, I think overall it's slightly better selection and one that's more suited to the game.
2: Right then, uh, Roy42, also known as Frozen Treasure, says Traffic checking turned up in revenge along with high-definition graphics that didn't have quite the same impact when I was still playing it on a standard-definition TV. I like traffic checking. Maybe that's because I didn't learn about the Burnout series until I was shown 3 by my friend at his birthday and it didn't and didn't experience the series when it was pure in speech marks. Maybe it's because I always figured the games were supposed to be power fantasies uh, power fantasies, and causing as much consequence-free destruction while driving fast was kind of the point. Besides which, anyone who would want to be driving fast would be driving on the opposite side of the road anyway. Traffic going your way runs out very quickly and barely gives you any boost like the oncoming lane bonus does. I think the burnout games are great fun for parties, yet at the same time there's basically nothing to really ever say about them. And yes, the irony of saying this on the second podcast lasting over one hour about the Burnout Games isn't lost on me. There are plenty of tracks, they look nice and control well, but once you see everything once, you've basically seen everything that's not crash mode. It's a problem I have with most racing games, and, and it's maybe indicative of how they're best enjoyed with other people, and probably some liqueur flowing through you.
3: Okay, um, Guildford's very own Flabio says, The Burnout Games before 3 are a completely different playstyle to those that came after. I don't know many people that like every game in the series, but those who love the first two tend to dislike the rest and vice versa. I never really got on with the precision required to be good at the first two, but loved the more forgiving physicality of the later games. I guess you could say the early ones are the driving simulator games, and the later ones are arcade racing games. Kind of like comparing Gran Turismo to OutRun 2, really. Interestingly, I think Forza Horizon finds a good middle ground between the two playstyles and is the game a lot of people who have passed over expecting a heavy sim like the normal Forza games.
1: And we got uh, six three-word reviews for this podcast.
2: Um, We'll start with uh, Darren. I can handle three words. Roy42 says, unbridled multiplayer fun. Ben Smith
1: says, takedowns are awesome. Uh,
3: James Dower said, couldn't stop playing. Brackets, burnout three.
2: Steve Robinson, sticky out bits. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cameron Phillips says, ah, brick wall.
0: And Stuart Cullen says, great prawn smackers. <laughs> Which is a revenge reference. I have to say, I cringed a little bit when I saw that particular event name come up. It is an event set in, in Asia. And yeah, it's Jesus. maybe a little, a little tough to swallow. <laughs> Not prawn crackers, they're great. But
1: the, name, the name of the level. Um so with that we'll uh wrap up with our brief summaries on burnout revenge uh darren
2: yeah, uh despite being quite down on this you know this chat about burnout revenge, I actually remember really enjoying it and even playing the demo version recently, like still enjoying it you know despite its itself, i guess um because the core element of burnout is still there, and you know the takedowns are still actually really satisfying for for my own personal tastes. Yeah, and I was just checking my achievements then, and uh, apparently I perfected the game. Like I got got all the single player achievements you could do, so I must have liked it. Uh, It just it just sort of fell out of my memory quicker than other Burnout games did. Like Burnout Two and Burnout Three, most particularly, just stuck around in my memory for 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 all until you know these podcasts turn around. Whereas Burnout Revenge was a bit harder to remember, aside from the um, you know the awful traffic check in. Um, I do remember hearing that door song far too much. That that remix song break on through to the other side now yeah. that that was another one that sort. Of, i like i quite like that song but when you hear it 50 times in you know the space of an hour i guess it gets a bit boring because i kept repeating this one this one particular event i can't remember what it was maybe a burning lap and that track was oh it was doing my head in but ultimately the game is good it's just not the evolution i wanted it to be yeah but yeah you know it's, it's yeah it's good play it if you want i don't mind gary
3: I think the phrase you used earlier was over-egging the pudding, wasn't it? So yes. I'm afraid with both with Takedown and with Revenge, for me, it was adding a few too many eggs to the point where this final game it might as well just been an omelette. Um, uh, so again, as I said earlier, though, you know, a bad burnout game is still a fantastic game. You know, uh, there's a lot to like in Revenge. I for me, it just doesn't quite have the the purity of design and um the kind of risk reward ethos that the first two and and the third game and legends had um but uh i thank revenge with all of my heart because if it wasn't for the fact that it did go dark and it did go over the top we would probably not have had paradise which i adore
0: okay and james obviously i'm coming into to these games with a different history to to, to you three guys and and pr- quite possibly to to many of the people listening um t- to have a a sort of best of remake of of burnout three in a handheld format be my first burnout and then to go sort of forward in the series and then all the way back to the beginning um has given me this weird perspective where playing through the four we've played through up to and including revenge obviously legends as well i guess um it feels like. One, two and three are are building ever more up to the burnout experience that that is closest to my heart. Um, And then over egging the pudding, we've said it multiple times now, but that's exactly how revenge felt for some reason, something about it. um, All the extra stuff that's in your face, um, the the nonsensical traffic checking, I could not get on board with that at all. It just made no sense to me at all whatsoever. It, It just felt wrong it it i agree with gary it took completely away from the notion of racing and put it all in favor of this is about just knocking cars around until you can then just boost to the finish line um so yeah, it feels like Burnout 3, Burnout Legends are almost synonymous in my mind now because, because Legends clearly was was remaking a lot of what 3 did and the, um, the way it plays is so very similar. And then Revenge does feel like that sort of step too far. But just like Gary, I've got to say, it's a step too far that if, if that's the step they took so that then when Criterion came back to Burnout with Paradise... That's absolutely fine by me, and in no way am i am I remotely saying that I think that burnout revenge is a bad game. It's just if I was to pick a burn- up a burnout and play it now, it would be three or legends um out of out of the series that we've got to so far that's just it just feels right in my mind uh revenge just felt like it was a step too far in terms of just about everything it was just everything dialed up to eleven and maybe ten would have been
1: been just fine thanks um for me it's strange because throughout this discussion we've covered so many topics that make me think that i shouldn't like this game for all the similarities to other games that i don't like i don't like cat racers i don't like aggressive i don't like games that feel unfair and yet this game just felt like it was the perfect storm uh and and absolutely suited me down to the ground um you know it. it I understand why people don't like it. Um, it somewhat upsets me because I've got such a, I've had such a personal time with this game that over such a long period of time with so many friends that I wish I could sort of put those feelings onto other people, have them have those experiences, um, and maybe they might see it differently. I don't know. Maybe I was just fortunate that I saw the better sides of this game or what this game had to offer. Really, just sort of glowed towards me. You know, the, 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 there's, there's many things that I do like about this game, I I don't like the, the traffic check-in, but I loved the track design in this game, I liked the challenge of racing those tracks, the thrill of nudging an online player into those those fine pillars whilst shooting up the stairs in, in the, uh, the track based around Rome it was such an absolute thrill whilst you know holding the boost down and trying to keep it going and hitting those perfect laps and power sliding and just right absolutely nailed this nailed it for me in this game that, that the others didn't quite do and if i'm being honest that the paradise didn't do either this is my favorite burnout paradise game uh, this is my favorite burnout game and one of my very favorite things about it i always see mocked on the internet and it's the soundtrack i absolutely adore the soundtrack to, to burnout revenge um I've bought countless albums on the back of it um, tracks like Fallout Boy All American Rejects Yellow Card uh, they're just absolute for me complete toe tappers that, that have me smiling as I'm, as I'm racing these tracks at high speed and, and for that I wouldn't swap it for the world it might not be everyone's cup of tea but for me the game completely floated my boat and, and for that those memories are priceless for me um, it's not one of my very favourite games of all time but, you know, I, I can't help but smile uh, at, the, at the memories I had playing that game and I, I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Just to uh, to put you at ease a bit, I ran a bit of an impromptu burnout poll uh, earlier in the week on Twitter um, and, and Revenge was the second favourite game out of the, the entire series uh, across people who responded to that. So it, it's not like Revenge is hated by many. There's obviously a lot of people have very fun feelings uh, about it, so
1: um so with that thank you to the panel that's on here thank you uh, Gary James and Darren um it's it's been a, a, a pleasure hosting you guys and uh, next time in issue 133 we're going to be discussing Capcom's um, seminal 90s beat em up you might have heard of it street Fighter 2 um it, it's kind of a big deal uh, we'll be covering several ones in the series um in, in that one show so until then